Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is Life of the Law. I'm Nancy Mullane with a special bonus episode. Today in the U.S., the FBI reports that lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender people are the most likely targets of hate crime. The Human Rights Campaign says more transgender people were killed in 2015 than during any other year on record. The National Coalition of Anti-Violence Programs reports that black transgender women are the most at risk for extreme violence and murder. Who can be more at risk than a person living transgendered and black inside a prison? We present this special interview with Lady J from inside San Quentin State Prison. I've been in prison 27 years, and sometimes it's a little trying being transgender because a lot of these guys don't understand the difference between tra transgenderism and homosexuality, and that's my biggest struggle right there is trying to let these guys know I'm not homosexual, but because I'm in prison, that's the only thing they know. It's um, sometimes I have to exert my inner strength to get through the day because a lot of times this is sad and it's lonely being who I am, a transgender in prison. Were you transgender when you came to prison? Yes, ma'am, I was. But in those days, we didn't call it transgenderism. We called it transsexualism, and they had it was still under that real big umbrella of homosexuality. People still don't understand the difference. Now, through Caitlyn Jenner and a lot of these children and the new thing in, in uh, I think it's North Carolina with the bathrooms, people are beginning to realize, okay, transgenderism is not homosexuality. So everyone that you're in prison with, mm -hmm. you're in a men's prison. I'm in a men's prison, and I represent myself as a woman, and I present myself as a woman. So it's a little trying sometimes. Uh, for the most part, I think 60% of the men in here, they realize that, okay, Jay is like Caitlyn Jenner. But it's that 40% of the ignorant ones, they don't want to accept my transgenderism. You know, a lot of people have a perception that when a man comes to prison, mm -hmm. that they're at risk sexually. If you come to prison as a man, but you're transgender, right. what is that? What kind of risk are you at for that? Well, it depends on what level you are. If you are in a level four, the risk would be a lot higher. Of right? What? Of uh, being sexually violated and or hurt. Because a lot of yards uh, don't allow transgenders and or flamboyant homosexuals on the yard and then so where do they they don't get to ever go out of the yard no they go to s and y What's but that? the s and y is sensitive needs where they will protect you because you cannot protect yourself so like for me I came to prison in 1989, so it was all level fours it was level fours at that time but it was a different culture for uh, transgenders or girls with breast because the culture back then dictated that if a man wanted to be with one of us he was it it gave him status oh. but in 2000 it just 
flipped for some strange reason and the culture came in saying okay we don't want transgenders or homosexuals on the yard anymore so the prison culture the, the prison culture and not not the other inmates the, the the not the administration, not the administration, oh. it's the inmates, oh. because the inmates um, sometimes were quite violent. But because I came in in the early, or the late 80s, it was a different culture, like I said. And my husband would roll with me. He was in prison too? He was in prison. In the same prison? In the same prison I was. That must have been really interesting because you must have been the first <laughs> married couple in, are you the only married couple? Um, well, we were the only married couple that, uh, that the inmates allowed to stay on the yard. They ran off a lot of other couples. It was you, there of, were other couples? It was other couples, but those couples were subject to beat down, getting beat down and uh, ran off the yard. But um, I have to say that my father, he did the best thing that he could have ever done for me was taught me how to fight. And in here, uh, in my earlier days, because I'm 55 now, in my early days, it was uh, a very useful tool. But now we can't use that tool because we're all citizens now <laughs> here at San Quentin. So we're citizens now. What we, does that mean, you're citizens? Citizen for me means that I have I adhere to all the rules and regulations. So say like someone was to threaten to attack me, as a citizen, I'm going to do what citizens do on the street. I'm going to report that incident and let the authorities take care of it instead of taking it into my own hands. Uh, and, and so when did you become a citizen? <laughs> <laughs> I was going on visit, weekly visits with my mother. And, uh, and I just, we used to have these long conversations and her one thing was for me to come home. And if I was to continue to be aggressive towards these men, I would never make it and I would never be here. So that's why you became a citizen? Yes. Because you want to go home? <laughs> because I want to go home and I think it's a growth thing. You have to grow. And to stay stagnant in your old belief system means that you're eventually going to die in that same system. And I'm not one to stay stagnant. I know that in order for me to be a productive person. I have to grow. I have to learn. I have to change. And that was my epiphany moment. Oh, wow. In order to go home, you have to change. You have to take that into your heart, into your soul, and become what you profess to be. I'm a nice person now. I wasn't always, but I'm a nice person now. So are you taking hormones? Yes, ma'am. Um, I started taking hormones in 1999. And was that state funded? It is state funded. So you said you call yourself a girl. Yes, ma'am. So you're not, you don't, you don't relate to people as a man at all. No, ma'am. Um, I'm, I'm a rough woman. I'm a ghetto girl, <laughs> so to speak. Um, I emulate myself after the women that I saw growing up. Um, I'm an African-American, and I'm not from a very affluent family, but I am from a middle-class family that I have cousins and relatives that did live in the ghetto. So I'm, I, I see the way my aunts and my cousins were towards their men and how they had to handle their families. It was different from the way my mother dealt with my father, right? So I'm more ghetto-esque than like my mother, my mother was a strong woman, so I do get that strength from her, but I take after my aunts with the rowdiness of dealing with 
the ghetto children, if that makes any sense. How, you know, there's been a lot of discussion out in free society about um, bathrooms and how whether yes. transgenders should be able to use a woman's bathroom, mm -hmm. but you're in a men's prison. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you deal with bathrooms and showers and cells? Yes, well, there's this law called PREA. I don't know the acronym that it stands for, but what the PREA thing states is that if you're female and or transgender, you have certain inevitable rights. One is not to live in fear and be harassed by men. So with that being said, um, it states that if the staff can accommodate you as a transgender, they will. So when this law came out, I went to the uh, staff in my building, I'm in West Block, and I went to them and I showed them the Priya thing and they said, okay, well we can accommodate you. In the mornings at 11 o'clock, for those girls who don't work, uh, they can get this shower from this time to this time. We will lock it, won't anyone be in there but the girls. And then at night on the third watch, for the girls who went to school all day, we get it like at uh, right after count time, when the building is released and they're doing yard and they're cleaning up the building, that's our shower time and that's about an hour of us showering, uh, not disturbed by the men. So they did accommodate us. As far as the cell living goes, um, they try to accommodate us there also. Um, if you're living by yourself, they won't put anyone in your cell. We have to say, okay, well, we don't mind that guy being in our cell. But nine times out of 10, that's the guy that we're having a intimate relationship with, not necessarily sex, but just an intimate relationship. I have to state that we don't have sex in prison. <laughs> you have to state that, girl. You just, you better state that. <laughs> so that's that. <laughs> and uh, as far as the restrooms go, it's just the restroom. You know, we all sit, well, most of the girls I know, we sit to use the restroom. So the guys really don't bother us because we live in cells. So when you use the restroom, you're basically in your own cell. How many girls are there at San Quentin? Five. You know exactly how many. I know exactly how many. Um, we have a church called New Hope, and we also have a group that we call ACT. ACT is Acting with Compassion and Truth. This group was started by myself and um, another inmate. They transferred Yoshi out, but IPP, Insights Prison Project, picked it up and they started sponsoring us. So through them, we're creating this curriculum around, uh, it's an LBGT-based curriculum dealing with transgender issues, homosexual issues, you know, the whole spectrum of the LGBTQ community, along with cisgenders, which is straight men. So we are working with nothing but straight men dealing with prison, right? And the issue is how can we bridge the gap to decrease violence towards the LGBTQ community and increase um, understanding and acceptance and love, all those good words that one's supposed to use in society. And it's working pretty, pretty well. It is working pretty well. But uh, I think my whole life I've always been like this. It's, for me, it's not a pretense. It's, 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 I'm not putting a facade up. This is really me. This is the way I was when I was a child. Uh, my mother used to say, it don't make no sense for a male child to have that much butt.
that's my mama, and my sister used to say, can't you walk like a boy? No, I'm walking like I'm supposed to walk. So um, I'm very fortunate in that my mother and my sister, Dorinda, um, supported me through my whole life of just being me, being who you are, no matter what. If you could change anything about prison and the way you live here at San Quentin mm -hmm. among what thousands of men 4,000 men to be exact 4,000 men and mm -hmm. five transgender uh -huh. women how what would you change hmm. if I could change just one thing I think I would change how a lot of these men felt in their hearts to open up their hearts and realize that we're all just human beings we're all on the same plateau of life and if you treat me the way you want to be treated it would be so much more beautiful. But like I said, a lot of these men, they're stuck in their man box of what they think a man should be. So they don't want to come out that man box. But that's the one thing I would change is understanding and living your truth, walking in the light of your truth with understanding. And, and for, you know, just, I just want to make sure I understand this. Yes, like you came to prison. Yes, ma'am. How many years ago? Twenty-seven. Twenty-seven years ago. You're now fifty-five. Yes, that meant you were twenty-eight. Yes, ma'am. Can you tell me why you're in prison? Yes, ma'am. I'm, I'm in prison for first-degree murder and a first-degree attempted murder. Um, I was involved in some seedy behavior, and I was running around with characters that as we call it in prison, bad actors. And I just got involved and I was living this image of being this transgender, this rough big mama, right? And not taking any mess. And I'm, I'm sure I was showing these children at the age of 19, 20, that if you want to do the street life, you have to be hard. And so I just got caught up in my own crap. And I started believing my own, for lack of better words, bullshit, right? Because I wasn't raised to be like this. I was raised to be loving and caring and kind and treating people like they should be treated with respect, not even knowing them. But I just got caught up in the drug culture and the, in the fast money culture. I started using uh, crystal meth, which is uh, methamphetamine. I guess that's what they call it. And I just got caught up. I just got it caught up in the life of making fast money around fast people, fast cars, living the fake glamorous life that I thought was glamorous. But in essence, it was just fake. And then you, how did you, what did you do? Oh, I uh, killed two people. Mm. Well, I killed one person. And the other person lived, but um, they convicted me of first-degree murder, first-degree attempted murder. Do you ever think about that moment? Moments? Oh, God, yes. Often. Often. Uh, I think... I know we can't go back and change anything. That's just something that's not going to happen. It's, but I think about that, and sometimes I just lay in my bed, and... Um, I can't sleep at night thinking about it, thinking about how I, uh, oh Lord have mercy, how I hurt two people and hurt the family and hurt the community and hurt just 
so many people on so many levels that I don't even know and they have never met. You know, I've never met the family of Andre Williams and Terrence Nunn, right? I don't know if they had children. I don't know if he was one, the guy who was murdered. I don't know if he was supporting his mother, if she was an elderly woman, if, uh, you know, on dialysis. I don't know any of that. And I don't know how that really affected their life. I don't know how when I burnt Terrence Nunn with boiling water, how that affected his life. You know, is every time he sees a homosexual or transgender, if he gets these feelings of hatred towards them, I don't know if he if that trickled down to him. If he have children, what he's teaching his children. If he does have a transgender child, you know, what does that what effect does that have on him every time he looks at that child? It's so many little nuances to what I did that is the trickle effect. You know, like they say, it's a parable that says if you throw a rock in the ocean, a tidal wave will hit the other shores. And I don't know if that's what I've done. And I, that hurts me. That hurts me. Because, like I said, it's just had so many different implications of harming people. And I think about it all the time. I do. I think about that all the time. You know, as a we mentioned before that on the outside there's the question of whether at high schools mm -hmm. whether um, men who are transgender male to female mm -hmm. or the reverse right. should have the option of choosing to go into the opposite right. identifier bathroom yes. <laughs> and there's a lot of reaction to that mm -hmm. there's a lot of fear um, what do you think about that? Well, first, I think they should come out of people's bedrooms and from under their clothes, right? Because that's what, when you think of it, they're thinking about what is under their clothing, right? But if I present myself as a female and the girls present themselves who are like boys, then that's what we should honor is what they feel on the inside. They're representing who they are. So allow them to go to the restrooms that they are go, go to. I'm sure that this has been around and transgenders and transsexuals have been around for forever. So it's all in the way the girl or the man present himself. If you present yourself in a way that shows that I am who I say I am, people tend not to question. What if the CDCR suddenly said, we're going to move you to a women's prison? <laughs> that is the biggest nightmare of my <laughs> That would be a nightmare because I love men. I love men, and there's nothing wrong with me running around with my, my sisters. But I love men, and, and I would just, just to have to get up and look at all of us girls in one spot, that has to be depressing. <laughs> that, would, that would be my biggest, biggest nightmare ever. Um, so we're going to pray that they never do that. <laughs> but if they did, I'm quite sure that I would adjust. Are you married now? Yes, I am. Is he here? Uh, no, he's at work right now. He's in, he's in education. But I mean, he's here at San Quentin. Yes, ma'am. You're not Sully's? No. I don't want to be a Sully. No, no, he lives with his his people. That's fine. You know, come see me when I want you to see me and leave when I want you to leave. I'm, I'm 55 years old, girl. I am too old for that just to be in that cell with me. These cells are so tiny. Mm -mm, no, 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 no. Stay where you are, baby. I love you. Kisses, hugs. But go on now. 
I'll see you when we see you. Bye, baby. <laughs> Come over when I ask you to. But other than that, no, 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 no. So, but they know you're married? The inmates do. Uh, the administration, they really don't care. They really don't care. It's like, um, almost like don't ask, don't tell. They don't really get into that. It's just an inmate, two inmates that are cool with one another. But that's the way they treat all inmates. You know, we're just, everybody's just cool. Because there's a lot of relationships that go on here that we call DL relationships, down-low relationships. It is a lot of homosexual boys here that don't identify as transgender, but they're here. And they have relationships with one another, but administration don't get into that. So they really don't get into who's with who. They just want to make sure that we're all safe. So what's your, what's your um, sentence? When do you go before the parole board? June the 28th. Hey, of Lavoie. this year? Of this year. What's up, Lavoie? How are you doing? For how many times have you been? How many times this have you been? This will make my third time. So if you get a date, a yes, parole date, and you leave prison, mm -hmm. you'll leave your husband. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you know, and it sounds cold, but I don't think prison relationships are meant for the street because this is just, some people say it's gay for the stay, and I'm quite sure that when my husband and I uh, do part, it won't be a big whoop. He's married on the street anyway. He's got a wife. A real wife. I mean, I'm not saying I'm not a real wife, but he's got a real, real wife. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> it's okay. Well, now that there's the Caitlyn Jenner on right. the outside, what must that look like to you if oh you were to get God. out? You know, I am so anxious and I'm petrified all at the same time because I don't know, 27 years ago, this was not this culture in America. It wasn't. This was nowhere near the acceptance of transgenderism, homosexuality, was nothing like it is now. So I've been going two decades and seven. That's, I, I, I'm, <laughs> oh, I'm, I have no words for it, I'm, but I'm anticipating an exciting life because it's a new adventure. What's the first thing you would do? First thing I would do, my sister says that her and her daughter will pick me up. And I told my little niece, I said, well, she's 33 years old. I said, bring a uh, bag of hair because in the car you will be weaving my hair head as we're driving down the road. Uh, and so my, they laughed and they said they will. Then uh, getting me some hair put in. I want it down like Beyonce's. The next thing is uh, let's stop by the nearest clothing store so I can get out of this drab garb that I would have to wear out of here and let's go shopping. I want the high heels. Well, I don't think I could wear high heels anymore because, you know, I got cankles now, girl. And uh, <laughs> so I would want, you know, some nice wedge heels that can support my weight. A nice, some nice leggings, a nice sweater. You know, let me let me really do my face to the ultimate. You know, um, just get dressed up and then let's go eat Kentucky Fried Chicken. Yeah, dancing. <laughs> um, yeah, but that would probably be later on. 
I would want to get myself really acclimated back to society before I would venture out into clubs or anything. But I would be dancing on the internet because, see, the internet was not like it is now either. So I would definitely post me dancing on the internet, the freedom dance. What's that dance, freedom dance? Oh my God, it's, uh, I would dance to Prince Housequake. Um, and it's a very upbeat, very fast song. And he's saying like, who in the house know about the quake? We do, right? And it's like, just dance, just dance. If you know how to rock, say yeah. Yeah. If you know how to party, say Thank you. Oh, yeah. You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> You've been listening to an interview with Lady J, also known as Jarvis Juvon Clark, inside San Quentin State Prison. This bonus episode of Life of the Law was produced by Jonathan Hirsch with post-production assistance from Kirsten Jesuits Heidel. Music by David Jassy. I'm Nancy Mullane. I enjoyed meeting you too. Nice jacket, by the way. You like it? Yes. It's I, brown suede. Yes. I know. It's, it's a it's a Ralph Lauren. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And you probably don't like my boots. No, though. the boots are cute. But with they're the not, leggings. They, the leg, yeah, they're they're actually wool stockings. Really? Yeah, they're by um, Wolf Wolf Wolford. They make these merino wool stockings. <laughs> They're so comfortable. You see, and I'm missing all that. <laughs> and I will get out there. I cannot wait, girl. I cannot wait. How do you curl your hair? Oh, rollers. Well, you have like rollers, and you yeah, put them these in? are grandfathered to me. Um, the guy. You mean you can't get rollers? You can't in. get rollers anymore. But these rollers are about a hundred years old. They have been grandfathered from inmate to inmate to inmate to inmate. Yeah, so they were grandfathered There's to There's that me. many women who have been in San Quentin? That many women, thank you, sweetheart. For that many women that have been in prison, so... And handed them down? Handed down to the, me, yes. Yeah. I'm... Yeah, they were grandfathered. You can't order them, but you can. they can be grandfathered in. The makeup, I'm not, I don't have makeup on today, but the makeup, we create our own makeup in prison with grease pencils and magic markers and grease. Oh, yes, we do. We know how to paint. <laughs> I would love to have you do my makeup. <laughs> I would love to do your makeup. I would love to do your makeup. With the makeup that you have Yes. Yeah. Oh, I can do oh, Yes. And I don't do the, I don't do the over the top. No. I just enhance. That's what I like. Yeah, just enhance. Just to give you that extra pop. Yeah, I can imagine you with red lipstick. Yeah. And with a little. And with a little some, bit of rouge. Yeah, yeah. With some. I should have did it today, but um, you know. I kind of like seeing you just the way you are. Well, thank you, thank yeah. you. You are beautiful. Well, thank okay. you. Okay. <laughs>